0: good morning I am glad that you are here to worship Jesus with us and uh, my prayer has been that we would be able to connect with him that you'd be able to release your burdens and your joys to him and that we might hear from him today and let his grace be sufficient for us. Uh, Chris and I actually have uh, a group of announcements and we're gonna split them up so that uh, it doesn't become monotone for one of us. Uh, but this Thursday night, National Day of Prayer, here, uh, we're going to have an event here from Montgomery County. It's uh, Thursday night, May 5th, and the time is 6.30 to 8.30. That's in the events on your Church Center app calendar. It's on the website, but it's 6.30 to 8.30. It's a free event. Uh, feel free to come. We'd love for to have you come and, and join, for, uh, join in prayer for our uh, county and our community and our nation. Did
1: you tell them that? My announcements are the more important announcements. No. (laughs) Men's Bible study is getting ready to start another Bible study starting May 12th. Um, You can find the information about it out on Church Center. You can go through the website to Bible study, um, the Bible study section, or even the event section of the website and get uh, the information about this upcoming study, but they start May 12th. It's Thursday evenings.
0: And not to be outdone, the women have a study starting up in June, and it is called When Strivings Cease. Isn't that a great name for a grace-based study? So, again, you can go on Church Center app. You can sign up and register for that now. The books are $15. You can get your own, or you can just purchase it uh, at the study. That will start June 9th. So, last week we sent out this
1: uh, information in the, in the Family Connection email about a celebration of 35 years, and then I said some snarky things during the service about it, um, because Dave has been here almost 35 complete years, and it will be complete on June 1st. So on May 20, May 29th, in an act of faith that he's going to make it, <laughs> we're going to have a celebration um, for Dave following the service here at the church. And we need you to RSVP so that we can prepare for food. Um, and you can do that through Church Center on the app. You can also get there through the website. But please get on there and RSVP so we can know to expect you. Also, way to go, Dave. You're almost there.
0: Thanks. Thanks, Chris. Are you funding that for us? What's that? Are you funding the celebration for us? No, um, (laughs) but I know who is. (laughs) Okay, and then one last announcement, Uh, no, one last announcement for me, Uh, May 14th, Saturday, uh, we have a meeting here, and it is for anyone that might have ever been interested in going to the land of the Bible. Uh, It's an interest meeting, a promotional meeting for a trip to Israel that we are thinking of uh, taking in October of 2023, and so if you would like, if you have any interest in that and would like to know more about it, we'll meet in the great. Room uh, three o'clock on Saturday the fourteenth, and uh, Pastor former Pastor Rob Harrell is going to lead that. He's led several trips uh, over there and has got some guides and all that kind of stuff, and uh, so he's going to. We'll talk about the Israel trip at three, and then he's also going to give us a little bit of a report on uh, the status of the church in America after the pandemic, and then also an update on the underground church. uh, around the world, our brothers and sisters in Christ, in places like uh, China, Vietnam, uh, North Korea, and uh, Russia. So again, that's uh, an opportunity to come and, and uh, just enjoy some fellowship with us and hear about a trip that you may be interested in, in taking part in.
1: The last uh, announcement is I sent out a request this past week in the Family Connection email, um, a request for pictures of our mothers. Um, and I still want to offer that um, opportunity to get pictures to me for, th- for this week. Um, we have something sweet planned for Mother's Day next Sunday, and I would love to include you and your mother um, in what we're going to do. So pictures of you if you attend here and your mother does not, um, pictures of you and your mom, um, or pictures of moms here um, and their children, those would be awesome. You can email them to me, you can, and my email is attached to that family connection or if you don't have it and want to uh, know it, come and get me um, after the service or you can bring them up here during the week and I'll, uh, I'll make a scan of it. Either would be great, but please do that. Um, so far we have um, a couple of dozen pictures and I think 11 of them are Dave and Peggy. So we got to balance out stuff with the rest of the church family. You guys stand up with me and let's pray. We'll begin our time of worship together. Father, thanks for the time you have given us here today as a family. I pray that you would bless our time of worship, that you would be with us, that you would be honored by our hearts um, and our minds focus on you. We love you. We thank you in Jesus name. Amen.
2: Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. When I'm found in the desert place, don't walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. We made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of When darkness seems to hide His face. Unchanging
1: Father, we love you. We thank you for the holiness that you have, that you offer to us through your son. Would you draw us close this morning, teach us, make us more like him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. And if you are one of our kiddos, K through five, you can be dismissed to Sunshine Kids Club.
0: Holiness is an attribute of God that points us toward his transcendence. We just sang the verse, holy, holy, holy. Though the darkness hide thee, though the eye of sinful man may not see, only thou art holy. There is none beside thee, perfect in power, love, and purity. Holiness is a terrific attribute that captures who God is in multiple ways. The root of holiness means to be set apart. So when we use it about saints or believers, followers of Jesus Christ, we say that we are set apart to God set apart to Jesus Christ. When it is used of God, it means that he is set apart from all else. He is distinct and independent. There is no other beside him. There is none other to worship, no other thing to worship. Holiness also refers to purity and righteousness, and so when we think about God and his glorious standards, which no man can achieve on his own, we think about his righteousness and that he is pure in every capacity. Holiness is a great attribute of God to point us toward his transcendence. And when we say transcendence, we mean that God is greater than all creation and independent from it. We worship him. We are in awe of him when we stop and realize who he is and what he has done. He is above and greater than all creation and independent from it. When the angels were asked to declare an attribute of God in Isaiah, when they were confronted with the glory of God, they said, holiness. In fact, they repeated it three times as they sang it to one another, holy, holy, holy. They were in awe of the splendor and glory of God. Isaiah saw this as he looked into the throne room of heaven. And saw not only the glory of God fill the throne room, but the whole earth. And he responded, as we would, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I'm among a people of unclean lips. But the angels, they were captivated. They found it breathtaking. They were in awe. And so they worshiped God by singing, holy, 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 you recognize his transcendence. Our God is transcendent, and he is worthy of our wholehearted worship. Fortunately, he is not just a transcendent God. He is also a personal God. The God of the Bible is a personal God. The, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is a relational God. God. He is transcendent and greater than creation and stands above it and independent from it. But he is also actively involved in creation because we know that from the way that Jesus is involved in our lives as followers of Jesus. God has existed as one being in three persons in the community. Of love, a love that we've been invited into as followers of Jesus Christ, a perfect unconditional love, unlike we get to experience here, but it's the love we've always been looking for. That's what God has offered to us. He comes to us and offers intimacy through faith in Jesus Christ. Well, today we're gonna continue our sermon series that we had leading up through Easter. And that is titled, Hello, My Name is Jesus. We are studying Jesus for a greater understanding of who He is, that we might know Him better. And if we know Him better, that we might love Him more deeply. And if we love Him more deeply, that we might follow Him, obey Him, worship Him more completely. So we're back into this series. We're gonna look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20, a very well-known passage. It's the one commonly referred to as the Great Commission because this, the last words of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew to his disciples, he gives the commissioning. This is how I want you to spend your life on earth now that I am returning to heaven. I will send the Spirit to empower you." But he commissions the disciples that were with him then and all of us today to go out and make disciples throughout all the nations of the earth. Our desire in this series is to take a fresh look at Jesus himself. And so today we're going to see that he makes a great claim of dominion and he gives a directive and then he shows us how we can take delight through his presence so let's start in verse 18 and we'll start there with the risen jesus who possesses comprehensive clout the setting is this jesus is risen and he is going to meet the disciples in Galilee at uh, this mountain that he's told them at, to, to meet at. We don't know where it is, uh, but it probably one that was common to them. And he had given those instructions, and so he's on his way there. And we read in verses 16 and 17. I'll just read it for you. But the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some were doubtful. Now, why were some doubtful? Here we are, have Jesus right after the resurrection. Well, I believe that it was the 500 that were gathered here, as well as the 11 disciples and the women who had traveled with Jesus, his disciples. But the 500 that we read about in 1 Corinthians 15, I think were present there. And so many of them had not resolved who this was, had not realized the the full impact of the resurrection. Maybe they weren't sure how to worship a resurrected Christ. Maybe they were more interested in just restoring the kingdom to Israel. It's time, Lord, you're here, let's do this. Maybe like the eleven their last experience with jesus before the cross was to abandon him to abandon him and to deny him like his disciples did we don't know we're not told but we do know that they hesitated In their worship for him the disciples were fine by now I I believe that they'd seen Jesus two or three times they'd seen Thomas stick his hand into the side of Jesus poke his fingers into the nail marks and, and so all their doubts had disappeared by this time they knew that they were worshiping in the presence of the risen Lord that's the context risen Lord and what we find about him is that he is a comprehensive king who relates to his people he is complete and full fully God in every way possible he's gonna make a statement to his disciples here at the end of Matthew 28 and he's gonna use the word all or always in every verse And what he's doing is showing us how comprehensive he is in his nature, the scope of his majesty. He's showing us how comprehensive his commissioning is for his followers. It's not just for those people. It's not just for their friends. And he shows us how comprehensive his care for us is those three movements take place here so we're going to look at verse 18. the risen jesus possesses comprehensive clout and i like that word clout it speaks of power and authority jesus has the right to this authority because it's been given to him by the father it's not because the father can't go on being god it's because jesus is fully god and here after the resurrection when some of his power and authority had been diminished or, or, or held back because of his incarnation, he's given the sphere, a new sphere of heaven and earth. And so we read this in verse 18, and Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. The focus of this passage is all authority. There's nothing in heaven or on earth that is greater than Jesus Christ. There's nothing on earth or in heaven that deserves our worship more than Jesus Christ, our obedience, our followership. Jesus has all authority. When you think about his ministry, even in the the gospel of Matthew, or just his life and ministry here on earth, you remember his, uh, he exercised authority as he taught the word of God, and people recognize that. He exercised authority over demons and he cast them out, over the supernatural, over Satan and evil. He exercised authority over disease and even raised people from the dead. He exercised authority to forgive sins. Now that is authority. That's authority that only God has. But his authority goes way beyond Satan and the angels and evil and all of that. Everything in our world, everything you can think of, everything in the natural universe, stars and galaxies, down to the smallest details of atoms and subatomic principles and DNA everything all the plants and all the animals jesus has authority over this his authority over education and leisure and and over the business world and finance jesus has authority his authority over your life and my life every moment of every day jesus has all authority You could spend the week, and I invite you to, just thinking about the authority of Jesus Christ, what he has authority over, over our neighborhoods, over our church, over every soul. That is our Jesus. He is fully God. He possesses all authority. And such descriptions such a proclamation, a declaration by Jesus that all authority has been given to me points toward his transcendence. We're brought back to that attribute of holiness, that he is greater than all creation, and he is independent from it. I like a quote by Ray Ortland He says this about God's holiness as pointing to his transcendence. He says this, his holiness is simply his godness, in all his attributes, works, and ways. He is not like us, only bigger and nicer. He is in a different category. He is holy. Why is it important to know that Jesus is holy, that he is transcendent, that he has all authority, the right and the power to have all authority? Number one, because he is worthy of our worship. The psalmist says in Psalm 29:2, ascribe to the Lord, the glory due his name. We need to realize that he has all authority and we need to praise him wholeheartedly, whether it's in song or in our attitude during the week or the words we use or a recollection of his involvement in our lives. We want to ascribe to him the glory that is due his name. That's one reason. It's important to know that he has all authority. We must be people who acknowledge the worth of our Lord. Secondly, Jesus wants us to know his authority because it affects our daily life. Knowing he has all authority builds our trust in him. It it causes us to lean on him more heavily. It, It causes us to look to him more quickly it causes us to obey him without fear because we know that he is in control and whatever he has called us to do, he has set out and established for us to do and that he is in control and that nothing can interfere, nothing can overrule anything that he has given us to do. So when the disciples went out in the book of Acts, And turn the world upside down they did it knowing that jesus possessed all authority they boldly proclaimed the gospel of jesus christ and spoke of him as lord over all they proclaimed the gospel jesus is fully god his sphere of authority has increased now that he has passed his earthly ministry and resurrection he is transcendent above and distinct from all that he has created next we discover that he uses that authority to give us a proclamation proclaim a directive for us to give us our marching orders while on earth in verses 19 and the first part of 20 we see this that the risen Jesus proclaims a comprehensive command possessing all authority Jesus gives us a command to go out into all the nations and to make disciples. It's an order with which we must all comply. It's a command that his followers spread his word, making disciples of him throughout all. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Note again the comprehensive nature of the command. All Jesus' disciples are to go throughout all the nations and make disciples. Uh, Essentially, we are to duplicate or to reproduce ourselves as followers of Jesus Christ. We are to introduce people to Christ and to teach them to walk with him. Jesus' comprehensive command here is made up of one main verb. You may be familiar with that. It's the word, it's the command to make disciples. That's the only true verb here. There are three participles that modify or help us understand how we're to make disciples, and they are going and baptizing and teaching. Each one of those give us a better idea of how we are to make disciples. The word going is the word that makes making disciples so relational because it means as you go and while you are going. In other words, God has put you in a network of relationships, that as you weave in and out of those each day of the week, you are to make disciples. You are to pray for these people and to pray with these people and to tell them about Jesus and to share the love of Christ through your own kindnesses and actions. The language here, the grammar used is such that each of these participles picks up the command of the main verb. So not only is it as you are going, but it is also the imperative command to go. It it does require some people to leave their homeland, to go, to intentionally think about reaching others for Jesus Christ, perhaps to pray for your neighborhood, and to go to them perhaps to pray for another part of the world and to go to them that's the first component of making disciples in making disciples we want to introduce people to jesus christ with the gospel so that they might come to Christ into a personal relationship with him through faith. Now, becoming a disciple was a a common phenomenon in the ancient world, but Jesus brought some uniqueness to it. And, And so when he made disciples, he broke down lots of barriers, barriers of gender and education and experience and ethnic groups, and economic groups, because he lived and he modeled in the Gospels for us what we are to do, and that is to make disciples of all nations. We're not to decide who's allowed in the kingdom and who is not. So the go, therefore, refers back to Jesus' authority. Since he has this universal authority, we are to engage in this universal mission to make disciples of all nations. And because he has all authority, we have greater confidence as his disciples. We are to go. Joining Jesus in his commission is a tremendous adventure in compassion, in loving others, and learning to love others, and experiencing God's love as we do that. And so if you are not living the adventure of introducing others to Jesus Christ, I would challenge you to do that. As I said earlier, pray for people, pray with them, offer to pray with them, care for them in whatever ways meet some of their needs, that you might point them to Jesus and let them experience his love. And if you're younger, I would encourage you, invite you to start planning your adventure now. Start thinking about where God might use you as you go through school, and as you graduate high school, and as you graduate college or enter the military or enter the workforce, I encourage you to think about where God might use you, even to pray. That he might give you a country to pray about or a people group. Uh, I was really moved by Rowena McGinty's testimony last week. We had Mike and Rowena McGinty missionaries to Japan for over 30 years as church planters. Now they're back in the States preparing others to go. And they just sent a, six, a team of six Over to Japan, they have 39 more that they are currently training and preparing. That is so exciting to me. But in Rowena's testimony, somebody said, you know, how did you get started in this? Did you always know you wanted to be a missionary? And when she was age 12, she heard somebody talk about... uh, being a missionary overseas. And so she decided to pray for somebody and she wrote and she got the name. She was given the name of a a medical missionary, a nurse. And she began to pray for that woman daily. She began to pray for that woman's country as well. And those prayers bore fruit in the life of that woman and in that country. But they also bore fruit in Rowena's life as they kept her open to sharing the gospel And, and God eventually moved her to go overseas. He's not going to do that with everybody, but that's why I say plan your adventure now. Start talking to God about where he might have you at any age. Whether at home or in a foreign land, this command of Christ requires all believers to be involved in making disciples. That's his expectation baptizing describes how to make disciples we're to introduce people into this relationship with jesus through the gospel And, and in the act of baptism you know we do that over here in this window people stand and declare i am part of the family of god i have given my life to christ he has forgiven my sins and he has given me the free gift of eternal life and i am identified with jesus christ That's the purpose of baptism, to publicly declare an allegiance to him that is not taking place just at conversion, but is a lifelong journey of walking with him as his disciple. Jesus instructs us to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so what we get is an introduction here, to the trinity, the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, three persons, one essence of God. But we are also told very plainly, very explicitly, that Jesus is God. He is included there with the Father. And so as we think about his authority and the fact that he is transcendent, we are reminded directly that he is God himself. And that when we go out and we baptize, we baptize in His name, which represents Him and the Godhead. And that we baptize in His authority. That's exciting. The third thing that we're told to do here is to teach. Jesus said, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, teaching them to obey. The the completeness of this commission does not end with evangelism but it continues through this lifelong journey of becoming more like Jesus. Teaching indicates this process in which disciples are continually becoming like Jesus through discipleship. Discipleship is that process, this this lifelong journey where we are changed from the inside out to become more like Jesus. And discipling is what takes place when one or more people get involved with another person to help them in this process of discipleship. That is what we are told to do. And we're not told which specific commands that Jesus has given us, because what it does is it unifies all his words and deeds. We talk about relational discipleship a lot here, and I think that fits along with the idea of as you go, as you rub shoulders, as you interact and interface with people, especially the ones that God has put you into networks with, your sphere of influence. But we also talk about a relational discipleship when it comes to discipling others. Sometimes it's just talking in normal conversations, but we're processing life. Under the commands of Christ, what does it mean to follow through on this? Or, I don't want to. That command is too tough for me. And so we talk each other through it. We pray each other through it. We bring scripture to bear on one another's lives. This is teaching people to observe all that Jesus has commanded us. We look in the Gospels and we see his attitude of compassion toward people when he saw needs. We saw the way he was able to speak truth and to offer grace in difficult situations, in conflict and in great situations. That is what we are called to do, and and in discipleship and in discipling, of course, more is always caught than taught. So it's not just an educational thing. When we read the Gospels, we catch the attitudes, the actions, the words, the behavior of Jesus. And when we are in discipling relationships, which we are all called to be, we have this command. We are catching that from one another. So we want to be intentional about it. We want to be intentional about being people who point others to Jesus. We want to be intentional about getting to know Jesus through his word so that we can pour that into others' lives. This is our command and our commission. Obedience is the hallmark of Jesus' disciples. The emphasis in Jesus' discipleship, discipleship to Jesus, is not strictly on education or acquiring knowledge. But the distinguishing feature for us as disciples is obedience, that we might observe, that we might obey, that we might keep the commands of Jesus Christ, that the disciple would hear and heed God's word, that we would learn God's word and live it, not just learn it and and have this great bank of knowledge, of who God is and not try to equate our spiritual maturity with all the Bible study books on our shelves, unless God uses those to shape our hearts and to renew our minds. Because we want to be a people that are transformed and changed from the inside out. And that happens as we choose to obey Jesus Christ. It's interesting, I came across a quote from Philip Yancey one of the the great writers in Christianity, deep thinkers. And he pointed out this, he said, power can do everything, but the most important thing, it cannot control love. And so when we think about Jesus having all authority and being transcendent, and there is none greater, we also realize he has given us a free will, And in the wildness of his goodness, he's allowed us to choose whether to accept or reject him and his commands. And that's why every mark of obedience is a loving response to Jesus Christ, where we choose to accept his authority. We choose to submit to him. We choose to understand his word and to incorporate it into our lives. We have to be people that choose to obey, because when we do, Jesus is honored and glorified, our hearts are transformed, and his kingdom is made known on earth. Jesus possesses all authority in heaven on earth, and he uses that universal authority to give us that universal commission to make disciples in all the nations. That is your commission and my commission this very week in the very relationships that we have. Go make disciples. Next, we discover that he is with us, and that's a great promise as we look at the end of verse 20. The risen Jesus provides a comprehensive companion. It's beautiful saying that. The risen Jesus provides a comprehensive companion. The gospel of Matthew ends not with a command but with a promise and it's a promise of his presence that doesn't have to be accepted or even believed it's a fact jesus is present with us he is in our midst here are the words of jesus at the end of matthew and lo i am with you always even to the end of the age this is our jesus He is our companion. He is our constant companion. He is our comprehensive companion. He has identified himself here as the one who has all authority over the enemy, the one who has said, I will help you, I will strengthen you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I am for you. I will work all things together for good, For you, this is Jesus. The one who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He is the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth. And he says, I am with you always. Doesn't stop by for a short visit. The gospel of Matthew Begins in chapter 1 with the name for Jesus that Isaiah provided us, Emmanuel. And Matthew defined that for us just like Isaiah did, Emmanuel, God with us. That was the whole purpose of the incarnation, that Jesus might come and reveal the Father to us. That he might redeem us from our sins. He is God with us. And that's a promise that is a fact. He is always with us, every moment of every day and every night, and and not just for this week or this month, but for the duration of this present age, Jesus says, even to the end of the age. By his authority, his kingdom has been inaugurated, and history is not out of control. He is still in control. We worship our risen Lord, who is with us constantly. All that he commanded in word and in deed, as necessary for our growth as his disciples, is included in scripture. But his real presence comforts our individual needs and sustains us. We find his grace to be sufficient in our weakness and in our sorrow, in our joy, in our strength, in our pain, in triumph and in tragedy. Jesus is with us, and he sustains us. And this is one of the crucial elements of discipleship, the prison, presence of our risen Lord. We are designed to be with him. We are comforted and encouraged by the fact that we are with him. And when the disciples stood before the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter four, they were recognized as having been with Jesus. How would you say that about these fishermen? You would say that they had become like him in their boldness, in their love, in their truth, in their grace. We are designed to be with him, and we have the promise that he is with us. We started this morning by looking at the transcendence of God. He is above creation and independent from it. He is a creator and sustainer of our universe. He designed it, he built it, he sustains it, and holds it together. But not only is Jesus distinct from everything he has created, he offers intimacy to us. He has come to us, and he wants to be with us. And so I would encourage you, as you go out this week, to praise Jesus, to recognize his authority. To cause that to lead you to greater submission and a loving obedience in response to him. But to take hold of his presence. To pray that you might be more fully aware of his presence with you throughout the day. In good times and in bad times, as those times ebb and flow throughout the day. That you might experience him, because the more that we experience him, the greater we are at making disciples at representing him, at pointing people to Jesus. And that is our commission. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for involving us in your work. We thank you that you have all authority as God in heaven and on earth. We thank you that you have called us to join you in your work you are the one who has commissioned us to make disciples and we thank you that you are present with us with all your authority and power and with all your compassion and grace we need you Jesus and we thank you that you love us in Christ's name, amen we'll stand together
1: Good morning. Have a great week.